Welcome back, everybody. This week, we're going to have a conversation with Brian. Brian, I'm super pumped to have you on the show today. Tony, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. So with that said, let's just kick it off with my famous one word open. Give us one word right now, how you're feeling in this moment so we can kick it off. How I'm feeling? Optimistic. I'm optimistic for 2022. Love the energy, man. Let's go right into it. So if you could take the next few minutes, tell uh, the audience a little bit about your background and about your business, how you started it, where you are at today and where you're heading, you know, who you help, how you help them, all that good stuff. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm CEO, co-founder of a company called GreenPal. GreenPal is the Uber for lawn mowing. So homeowner that needs to get their grass cut rather than calling around on Craigslist or Facebook, they just download our app, pop their address in, and they can hire somebody to come take care of this chore for them. GreenPal is a 10-year overnight success. Uh, we're in the game 10 years now, and we have grinded our way to 300,000 people using the app to get their lawn mowed, doing over $30 million a year in revenue. And we're self-funded. We, we haven't taken on any outside capital and have bootstrapped the business the, the whole way through. Before GreenPal, I actually had a landscaping business. I, I, I mowed grass for 15 years and uh, built like one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee where I live. Uh, got that business over 150 employees. Sold that company in 2013, took some time off, and then used everything I, I learned about the landscaping business and plowed it into GreenPal, the app that makes it as easy as pushing a button. Wow, what a fascinating story. And thanks for it's exciting to hear that kind of a story, especially when it's self-funded and you have this much passion, you know, and, and obviously when you're successful, it's all just kind of lined up to this, you know, that that formula is like a path to success, right? Yeah, you know, I think for us, it's like authenticity as a competitive advantage. I, you know, I, I built a business, just me and a push mower to me and like 90 trucks uh, mowing grass. And I had to, uh, I learned how the lawn mowing business worked from the inside out. And then when I sold that company, I kind of had to reinvent myself as a tech entrepreneur. And I was able to use everything I had learned about the landscaping business to build this business the right way. That's really awesome, man. Let's talk about a recent one. I know you kind of touched on a few just a second ago, but what's one of your biggest wins that you're most proud of that you want to share with us right now? And then after you share that win with us, tell us your takeaway from this win. Like when you came out on the other side, you're like, wow, I learned this from this win. Yeah, for us, why we get out of bed in the morning, why we do what we do, why we've been working on this business for 10 years is to give folks that want to work hard an opportunity to make material income in the lawn mowing business. And so we have like tons of stories, hundreds of stories of people that, that were down on their luck, that got laid off on their job or that uh, needed like an extra way to make an extra thousand dollars a week. And were able to build an actual lawn mowing business on top of our platform, on top of our technology. And that's a lot of fun. And we've got a, a single mother in the Atlanta area that is now making over a half million dollars a year on top of GreenPal running her own lawn mowing business. She has like eight employees and she started off with just her and a push mower on our platform six years ago. So that's a lot of fun. That's really why we do what we do is to help folks grow their lawn mowing business, make material income on top of our platform. It makes everything, makes all the hard work worthwhile. Absolutely. And if you don't have this kind of backing that you provide to them, it's a tough business. Let's face it. Tough that. business. We all know this. We see the one truck, uh, you know, landscapers, and then we see these gigantic ones that are commercial 
and in between is a bunch of different ones and then every once in a while you see the ones that look like commercial but they do a bunch of residential right that's what i've observed in my community at least i'm sure you have your uh, your input on that as well if you want to speak to that as well yeah it's it's a hard business it's 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 really a tough way to make a living and the, the reality is, is nobody teaches us how to run a small business nobody teaches us things like customer service how to keep how to do bookkeeping how to keep a schedule how to do route optimization how to do marketing automation all of these things that go into running a, a successful lawn mowing business uh nobody teaches us how to do them and so it's our job it's our platform's job is to kind of be a business in a box for people in the lawn mowing business. All they have to do is show up and do a good job for their clientele of executing the yard maintenance. And we take care of everything else for them. So getting them all the customers they need, getting it all organized in one organized route, getting them paid on time, paid quickly, and then also getting them rebooked for subsequent uh, visits. It's like one platform to handle all of that for them. And the, and the reason we've been able to do that is we have focused on one thing lawn maintenance. We haven't gotten sidetracked with all sorts of different other things. We have just spent a decade on this one chore, making it as easy as pushing a button. And then also making it as easy as I, I just plug in and now I've got all the customers that I want. I get paid quickly. I'm, everything's organized in one place. And as we have gotten to where we are today because we've just focused on this one industry. That's awesome. And you talked about getting paid, which is a big passion of mine. I'm in payments, as you know, and my audience knows as well. Tell us how your uh, people get paid. Do you, do you collect the money yourself and pay them? Or how, how to give us the high level overview and how your payments uh, portion works. Yeah. So when a consumer or homeowner signs up, it's free for them to sign up. They just pop their email address in, their physical address, and then they get quotes for free. Uh, they'll get up to five quotes from lawn mowing services nearby them. And then they can read reviews and pick the quote they want to work with. After they select that quote, then they have to put down a credit card. And we've, we authorize that credit card for the amount that the person is contracting that service for. We want to make sure that card is good. And then after the service provider uh, uh, completes the service, we then charge that card on their behalf, deposit the funds in their account for, for their uh, portion of it. And then GreenPal takes a small transactional fee, depending on how much volume the, the vendor is doing through the platform. And that's how we fund the platform. And so they get paid when they do the work, when they complete the job on a rolling basis, rather than having to wait like 30, 60, 90 days, which is what how it typically happens in the lawn mowing business. The lawn guy is always the last person to get paid in the household. I love how you set up the, uh, you know, the streamline, it's really clean, right? So the, the consumer comes out on your platform and they find, you know, the, the right fit, right? They get the bids and then they put their credit card on file and then and then the consumer pays there and then you just pay them. So the business owner could focus on doing what they love and focus on what they're doing. It's the deliverables, right? The service and that's right. The houses. And then you take care of all that and you just fund them. That's really a clean model. And that way they could focus on scaling the business. And end of the day, that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, th this comes from my scars in the lawn mowing business. You know, you, the typical day in the life of the, of a, of a lawn care guy is you get up at five o'clock in the morning, you sharpen your lawnmower blades you get your truck ready, you go out, you mow grass for 12 hours, and then you get home at, at night at seven o'clock or eight o'clock at night, and you have grass all over, you smell like gasoline, and then you sit at your kitchen table and you do bookkeeping all night. You, you mail out invoices, you figure out who owes you money, you try to do your schedule for the next day, maybe you mail out some flyers. 
we want to solve that problem at night to where you don't have to do any of that. All of that's handled for you throughout the day on a rolling basis. And you don't have to like spend your nights and weekends doing bookkeeping. It's, it's our job to materially improve the livelihood of, of, of a lawn guy that way. And it sounds like you're doing a really good job at it. And, you know, I couldn't help not to think about my lawn uh, guy's experience. Like when he first, when I first hired him, he would like, so polite, professional, whatever. And he would always want me to give him the check weekly. And then sometimes if I wasn't home or I'm at work or whatever, he would just be like, oh, I'll give it to him next week. I'm like, I feel bad. Then sometimes it would go for two weeks. I'm like, there's got to be a better way. So I'm yep. like, dude, can I just put my check underneath my mat? Just take it. You know, like, he's like oh, yeah, that's a good idea. But I'm like, it, you know, so I'm glad that you have a full bulletproof system for them. That's really great. You're, sol you're solving a big problem when it comes to payments and billing for that industry. What that check said, under the mat. Check under the mat is how 90% of this industry still runs, believe it or not. It's crazy. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> oh, my God. It's crazy. Um yeah, there's got to be a better way, and here you are delivering that. So that's really cool. Talk to us about some failures that you ran across when you start first launched, um, or, or, or recently. Is something that you ran across you're like, uh oh, like this is a big uh oh, and then you addressed it. You came out on the other side. Tell the audience how you were able to pull through, and then you're like, wow, I'm never gonna do this again. So I just want them to have this takeaway from you, if you don't, if you don't mind. Yeah, you know, entrepreneurship, I, I read I read a quote somewhere is like going from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm. And really, that's that's what it is. It's you're trying things over and over and over again, learning from what doesn't work, applying those learnings to, to, to get something that does work. And for us, I mean, tons and tons and tons of failures along the way. Well, one of the major failures that almost sunk the business was when we first got started, the first thing we did, uh, my two co-founders and I, we didn't know how to code. We didn't know how to build software. We didn't know the first thing on how to design a software product. So we, we thought all we had to do was just pay a dev shop to go build what we thought GreenPal should be, and then we would market it and we would be off and going. So we did that, and we spent like $150,000 paying this development agency to build the product. It took them like nine months. And we released it and it was a total failure. Uh, didn't have the features it needed. It was buggy. It was clunky, hard to use. It didn't fulfill the vision of push a button, yard guy comes out and takes care of the grass. And it was really tough. And we had to like, it was a real, real gut check moment where we had to come to realize that if we wanted to be in the tech business, we were going to have to learn how to build software. We were going to have to learn how to code. We were going to have to learn how to design software products. And we did that. We, we, we went to every online course we could, uh, went to boot camps, read, went to YouTube University, and over like a two or three year period of time, learned how to build software, learned how to execute at, at, at like the technical level to where we could then build a version of GreenPal that, that our customers were telling us they wanted. That's really awesome, man. Thanks for sharing that with us because I know there was some takeaways for everybody listening on this call, regardless of their size of their business on that. So that's cool. And I've heard these stories all the time. People will, even Facebook, right? Uh, the, the, you know, the whole story, I don't know what the facts are, but just from based on the documentary that there's two guys that, you know, they hired. You know, anyways, I don't even want to go into that because you can't get either way. But you hear the story all the time. You spend yep. money and then you don't have the, you know, it's not lining up with your vision that you want. But I'm glad that you were able to pivot and come through and got it all dialed in. Speaking of pivoting, let's talk about the pandemic. So, um, share with our audience, you know, how the pandemic impacted your business and then when it did, how did you pivot out? Yeah, you know, 
these crises that happen in, in the course of, of building and growing a business, you always, you always like look back and you're glad they happened in a weird way. Like uh, they always make your business stronger. Like when I, was, when I was piloting my first business through the 2008 crisis, it was hell, but it made my business stronger and it made it to, to where I could eventually get the business sold. This crisis was, was similar in the way that it made us a better company. It made us a better business. It, 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 it caused us to really revert back to like listening to our customers and listening to what they wanted. And we really had to look for ways to make the crisis work towards our advantage. And so one of the things that we never really punched up in our value proposition was that it's a contactless way to do business. You don't have to meet somebody face-to-face. You don't have to exchange cash or a check. You don't have to walk around the yard with the landscaper to show them everything. You don't have to, you you know, you don't even have to talk to them on the phone. It's like literally you can push a button and somebody comes and does this chore for you. And while there's all sorts of like conveniences in, in that we were punching up in our value proposition, we never really like spoke to the contactless ordering piece of it. And so the pandemic caused us to really kind of look for ways to be congruent with how business was being conducted. And, and we had a banner year, uh, two years in a row now. And, you know, like companies like DoorDash and, and Instacart and, and Postmates, they all had great years too. And we kind of rode the, those coattails in terms of now consumers are looking for a way to, to do business in a contactless way. And we were able to, to use that to our advantage. Luckily, you know, if we had been in something like travel or events, you know, there's no way you're going to pivot your way out of that. But, uh, but it helped us actually. And so we were very fortunate. Yeah. I, I talked to other thought leaders like yourself on here and, you know, we always come to this one agreement. I mean, we have a lot of things we agree on together, but it's one thing that's for sure, and it's for you know I'm sure you'll agree, is that business will never be done the same as before. A lot no. of businesses have pivoted, they've accelerated, like kind of like the whole oh why didn't we do this before, right? right. Like with online ordering and like you said contactless, and, and you don't have to walk around with someone to show them. You know that's so great because like it, a lot of it, you know, in 2008 we all went through that. I think the biggest thing to take away for a lot of entrepreneurs was. I, the, defini- the definition of lean, being lean was yep. really defined. And if you didn't know how to define it, you, you were forced to define it and create it for your business because 2008 was a big dive, nosedive for all of us. Right. So, and those lessons that you learn, you, you kind of keep keep in your head. And when a new business arises that you're involved in or, or, or a new thing like the pandemic shows up in your business, then you know how to pivot. So that's really great that you said that. With that said, Let's shift gears over to thought leadership. So I would love to hear your point of view on the number one thing that someone must possess and really own to be a great thought leader in your opinion. You know, I, yeah, I think it's, it's humility. I think like one of the most humbling things you can do with your life is start a business, you know, like you, you, you'll learn really quick that, that uh, nobody's going to care about your project like you do. The only people that care is is the customer whose problem you are solving. And so I, I think to be a, a good leader, uh, to be a good founder, you have to have a degree of humility. And, and the, the, the marketplace is this feedback machine. It's always going to be telling you everywhere you need to improve and one of the cool things about like 20 years of business for me is that I've always I've noticed that I've evolved as a completely new person every 3 or 4 years. And so I think 
you know, in business, you're going to be doing three things at once, working in the business, working on the business and working on yourself. And it's that working on yourself thing that's one of the coolest things about it. So as a thought leader, as a founder, as a business leader, I, I guess it's, it's humility and always working on yourself at whatever block and tackling it at the stage of the game that you're in and improving that. It could be picking up a book on leadership, could be picking up a book on product design, could be picking up a book on data analysis, whatever. You got to be 80-20 good at all of these things in, in order to be an effective founder, I think. Absolutely, Brian. So I couldn't help not to think, so when you reinvent yourself or recreate or you know accelerate yourself, it's sort of like you're Brian 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, right? So that's really great. I think about that all the time. My friends and I think about that and we discuss it. It's really funny. But I, 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 I couldn't agree with you more. Humility is huge. Um, and you have to, I mean, everything you said, I, I have no disagreements with. So that's really cool. So here we are towards the end. I know our audience has had a great opportunity to find out more about you as a person and a lot about your business. So for those that are interested, or if you want to take this opportunity to give out your social handles and also your website address, so if they want to find out more information, they know exactly where to find you. Yeah, yeah, sure. Life's too short to mow your own grass. Uh, spend time working on your business. Uh, don't mow your grass. Uh, download GreenPal in the App Store or Play Store. Anybody wants to reach me, uh, hit me up on Instagram, Brian M. Clayton. Just drop me a DM there. Awesome. Brian, it's, this has been awesome. Um, I, this was a really meaningful conversation, which I'm grateful for. And here we are at the final question, uh, one word close. So tell us the one word you want to close out with, and then also tell us why. Ooh, uh, perseverance. And, and, and I guess I would say flexible perseverance, like as a founder, you have to like be hard charging. You have to never give up, but you also have this have, to have this weird flexibility about it. It's like almost a dichotomy. So, so hyphenated, flexible perseverance. Don't just keep doing the same things that aren't working over and over again just because because you want to be persevere. You have to be flexible and relentless, and you and you and you have to like you have to listen to feedback from customers and let that guide you. And you have to win by never giving up. So perseverance would be the word. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely.